Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situations, shits and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's everyone and welcome to couples therapy my name is andy and i am naomi <laughs> we're a real life couple a real life couple of comedians and on couples therapy we answer a couple different questions from a couple different listeners and this is your episode for this week <laughs> what, is, what is it the week we recorded this uh we recorded this about a week in advance so i don't even know what uh, so this is your episode for tuesday september 28th oh is that it oh yeah. shit we're almost in october yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. It's about to be, we're getting into Shocktober. We're getting into spooky time. Spooky season. The spooky season. Um, When's the last time you had a real costume? A real costume? Didn't we? we I think we talked about this on um, yeah. Anna and Andrew's podcast. And I think the last time I had a real costume was like 
maybe in college I did something, a sexy version of a costume. Oh, when we first started dating, you did some sexy. One sexy, like fake sexy costume. Yeah, you're sexy like Michelle Obama. Sexy bell hooks. Which I just say is, like, yes, just be a black woman. Just any black woman who's famous and then put sexy in front of it. So it's like, I did it. So is that a real costume? Actually, when I say I it now, know. I think it sounds like it's not. Yeah. Um, but what about you? Um, do, 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 do. I went to in grad school. I went to a Halloween party and I dressed up like uh, David Cross's character. Uh, you mean like yourself? <laughs> like a hoodie and a shirt? Uh, David Cross character from Mr. Show, where he had a T-shirt that said "Shut up, bitch" on it. He was cool. I, I think he was. Uh, I think they were they were doing one of those fake things. I don't. They don't do them anymore. But like you know, they would go to. You know, um, in like the 80s, they would make commercials for films and they would uh, do man on the street interviews after people walked out of the film. And they're like, what do you think of the film? And I think he was supposed to be a dumb shithead. His character, (laughs) the character he's playing was just a dumb shithead. And that's why he wore that T-shirt. Oh, okay. That sounds like a funny sketch. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow, the shade. Andrew Becker, man. Today's episode is super fun. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, we are we are big fans of our guest. Absolutely. We are talking to Roz Hernandez. Rob hosts the podcast Ghosted by Roz Dress Roz is an actor. Roz is out here performing live. Roz is out here giving you stand-up. Mm-hmm. Roz is coming at you with a multimedia approach. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah, she's great. So great. So fun. We learned a lot. I like when we do episodes with people who we sort of know, and then we end up learning a lot about who they are. Yeah, crazy shit. Yeah, where it's like, that would have never come up, I guess, when we were hanging out. I won't spoil it, but uh, a job she had when she was young was... You're going to get into it. It's going to be beautiful. But wait, before Before we get there, like I said last episode, we got a lot of responses to one of the advice questions from uh, Michael Cyril Crichton's episode. Now, uh, a woman named Blue wrote into us and she had her and her husband have been married for a while, but they've only had sex four times in the last 10 years. She has a higher sex drive than he does. We would like intimacy. She would like intimacy. She would like something. And um more than what they have and she didn't know what to do we we gave pretty good advice but a lot of people had some thoughts we love that um i'm going to because this first one is a little more caustic than the second one let's let's read this one first uh this comes from caitlin from twitter and caitlin says was just listening to the most recent episode of my fave podcast exclamation mark thank you caitlin and someone finally asked the question i always wanted to send y'all but was always ashamed because for me i knew what the answer was i was living with a man for eight years and the sex was fine the first year but over time he confessed that he had no sex drive and felt no pleasure when he had sex i figured i could handle a possible asexual partner but he never kissed me or held me no matter how many times i tried to express my needs to him Mm. He would not go to therapy or agree to an open relationship. And I felt myself shrinking over time and feeling like if I was prettier, maybe it would be different. This isn't the answer the other listener may want, but I finally broke up with him because I realized I was allowed to crave touch and really express my sexuality. I left my partner of eight years and he stole my Labrador. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) But, but I'm having the best sex of my life right now. (laughs) And my whole life is better now that I am fulfilled. We did not have children and were not married, so it was easier for me to leave, but it was something I do not regret one bit because I found a partner who expresses the love that I need. 
So I wish the best for you and your husband, but it's okay to get what your body and heart needs to. And you can use my name, shout out to the world that I'm finally getting laid again. (laughs) (laughs) And then Caitlin's an addendum. Okay, now I feel like a monster, like I just broke up with him for that. But he was also emotionally unavailable and as affectionate as a brick wall. So I really tried, but after years of being the only one bending and sacrificing my needs, I had to make the tough choice. But I've never been happier. So I hope Blue finds happiness however she does. We love it. Thank you, Caitlin. However, I would still like to make a citizen's arrest. For someone who stole a Labrador. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I hope he never finds joy. That's what I say. If you stole a Labrador, may you never know peace. Yeah. All right. And then uh, we got one. Amy, you're going to love this one. This is a voicemail. Ooh, I love a VM. So this is another response to Blue's Conundrum, which sounds <laughs> like... An indie rock album. Oh, I was going to say it sounds like a computer game, like King's Quest or something <laughs> like that from the early 90s. Interesting. Sierra Online. That's what they were. The Sierra games. Blues conundrum. All right, here we go. Hi, guys. Um, I just recently started listening to your show. Um, and on the last episode, I know that uh, people were encouraged to, you know, call in with anything uh, similar to or any, you know, thoughts on um, Blue's situation. And uh, I just, uh, after hearing, you know, what she had said, I just kind of wanted to, you know, share a little bit. Um, not sure if this would be enlightening at all, but. I, uh, so everyone was talking a little bit about, you know, what it means to be sex negative and, you know, things like that. Um, I, uh, I'm married. I am, and I identify as asexual, whereas my husband, uh, does not. He is a, you know, a very sexual being. Um, but as all things on the, you know, LGBTQIA plus, uh, spectrum are, um, you know, everything on there is a spectrum. So the way that I see myself is that, you know, there are, a couple different extremities on asexuality. And for me, I'm less on the side of, you know, sex is repulsive and I don't want to do it. And more on the side of it's fine once in a, you know, it's fine when, you know, the mood is right and when, uh, you know, once in a while. But but I also, uh, you know, I appreciate it now and then just for me as my own asexual being, I don't need it to be happy in a relationship. Um, now, this is something my husband knew before we ever even started dating. You know, I had told him it multiple times to make sure that he was okay with it and he knew what he was getting into. And I've always told him if he ever feels deprived, he needs to tell me so that we can change something. But as of yet, um, nothing has, you know, upset him. Uh, he's sort of just grown to kind of match me and I've grown to match him. Um, and, you know, we sort of learned to uh, work with each other and make each other happy in that way. Um, but it did require, you know, very open communication and a lot of talking to make sure that I know what he needs and he knows what I need um, and that no one ever feels pressured to, you know, have sex if they're not feeling it. Um, so, yeah, I know that y'all were talking about a lot of that. This is probably just <laughs> repeating the same thing, but I just wanted to, you know, put in from my experience of, you know, being married and being sort of an asexual being that it is possible for it to be happy and healthy and not every situation is like mine. But, um, you know, I hope that they can have a very, very, you know, honest conversation about it going forward and that somehow, you know, they will, you know, be able to make each other happy going forward. Thanks guys. Two ends of the spectrum. Yes. Two ends of the spectrum. I love also how thoughtful our listeners are. Mm-hmm. The people who are really showing up, they're really giving mm-hmm. you this nuanced approach mm-hmm. and being so kind and open. Mm-hmm. 
that's gorgeous it's a testament to us <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that uh the true narcissist <laughs> always finding a way to turn it back on on themselves uh but we had one where it's uh hey this can't work at all and yep. then the other end of the spectrum it can work yeah so but with open communication open communication all right naomi uh i don't want to delay another moment why don't we get to the episode roll it <laughs> Do you need another take, Mr. Meyer? <laughs> Mr. Meyer, Oscar Meyer. I'm auditioning for an Oscar Meyer voiceover. That's yeah. That's the Meyer and MGM. Is yeah. is they Oscar did Meyer. movies and baloney. Those were the two. <laughs> Cornered the market, you know. <laughs> Gotta have a brand. Yeah. Gotta have a gimmick. Do you guys remember when our grandparents could go to the movies for a nickel, see a double feature, and get a slice of baloney? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god a nickelodeon and a slice of baloney nickelodeon and some uh uh olive loaf um mm, delicious <laughs> i don't mark? know well okay it depends on what part of the country you're from right and mm. i think probably what class you grew up in uh whether you so, like olive loaf you mean yes ross ross okay. i will pose this question to you <laughs> oh, did pose i grow up in an Olive loaf uh, type environment. <laughs> olive loaf family. Were you an olive loaf family? You know, we weren't. We were not very loaf positive. We didn't do meatloafs. We didn't do. We didn't even listen to meatloaf. The absolutely musician. sure. Anytime in Rocky Horror Picture Show when he came on, we fast forwarded. I mean, we just didn't have loafs in the house. There no loaves. <laughs> uh, our family went further. We actively cut meatloaf out of Rocky Horror. So anytime, yeah. anytime he's on screen, we cut that. You know, we in a very early mm. version of uh, of Final. Final Cut Pro. Yeah. How, how <laughs> duty rest your soul. Um, I just would like the listener to know that Roz is drinking the largest shake smoothie that I've ever seen in all my days. It looks to be approximately 40 ounces. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a big gulp. I just I just go to I go to Seven Eleven. I get a big gulp cup, and I fill it with smoothie. Now it's I mean it's probably the same size. It is big. You're right. Yeah. You are right to say that. Well, I don't know. I recently I got back into pasta. I had a real pasta thing going on during <laughs> pandemic. And uh, well, I, you know, I I still say this like when the pandemic was going on, like what am I talking about? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 lockdown, yeah. lockdown, pre-vax. Yeah, it was lockdown was full pa- uh, pa- pa- pasta demic. I mean, yeah. I was <laughs> pasta. I was eating pasta every day. Um, it's a wonderful thing, but I. Um, you know, I just I needed to eat. I need to eat a little bit more healthy, and so mm-hmm. I've been making these smoothies. And yeah, it's it's big, but you know, I, it's kind of like a midday meal for me. Okay, it's it eats like huh. a meal, a smoothie that eats like a meal. Could be the lighting, yeah. but it does look like goulash. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it looked no. like cookies and cream to me. It's got no, like a- it's like a it's a vegan chocolate protein powder. Okay, with yeah. frozen bananas, frozen blueberries, frozen spinach, um, and it also has a couple of different types of nuts and seeds. Wow! And uh, yeah, wow, and that's, that's very impressive. Have I ever talked about on the pod how I got in trouble at Subway for stealing soda? <laughs> 
that might have been for Patreon, but I do remember that happening. I uh, well, Roz, I'll tell you. <laughs> Please. I, <laughs> so uh, there were many years where I was just scraping by, and I had this terrible job in in Midtown. Uh, at this real estate company and I had so little money that what I did was at the beginning of the week I went into Subway got the largest it was and it was the the sodas were self-serve so I got the largest cup filled it up with soda and then the rest of the week during the lunch hour when it was busy I would just sneak in (laughs) refill the cup oh that's genius and then uh and then uh you know I would have caffeine I would have delicious delicious syrupy caffeine for the fountain caffeine fountain caffeine for the rest of the day uh until i got caught and (gasps) uh i went in once and i went in here's this is you know what (laughs) like icarus i flew too close to the sun i got arrogant all right and i went in when it wasn't as busy yeah i i I was so sure of myself Uh uh and and i got caught and i couldn't show my face in that subway again (laughs) I mean, oh, but wait, wait, wait. So what happened? They yelled at you? Yeah. What were they going to do? Call the cops? Right. It's the <laughs> great thief, the great soda bandit. Yeah. <laughs> I go, no, I paid for this. And then I walked out without <laughs> before they could do anything. Oh, so you just held to the lie. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. Look, always deny when you're caught in a lie. All right. Wow. Folks, say it with well, me. Nope. Nope. I don't allow wait a it. Minute. Always <laughs> deny when you're caught in a lie. Isn't okay. that healthy? Isn't yeah. that healthy Doesn't for our relationship, Brad? Worked, worked for OJ. Well, I don't lie. So that's the thing. This is, the, you know what? This subway taught me never to lie, Naomi. Andy, we got to pivot. I have so many questions <laughs> for Roz. Okay. Well, I started asking if you were a low family. But and, I want to know where you grew up. <laughs> These are the hard hitting questions <laughs> that we need to get to the bottom of. Um, I grew up in a loafless town known as um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. <gasps> Michigan. I oh, one of my why. best friends is from Grand Rapids. No way. Yeah. Um, Maybe you know him. His name. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. What's his name? I think you're younger than, than me, so I don't think so. I, I don't want to have to bleep it out. <laughs> In case, oh, I, I, okay. I, his name's Eric. If you know any Eric. Yes, call, call. I know Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, uh, yeah, but I moved to LA um, 11 years ago. So, no, 12 years ago. So, I um, I mean, this is just like home, you know. I go back <laughs> to Michigan, like, sometimes, like, very rarely. I don't know. I don't even know when the next time I will go back. Um, I don't know. I just love it here. What's the dating scene like in Michigan? <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the Grand Rapids vibes? Well, I left when I was uh, 17, so oh my god you're much younger than so if you want to hear about you know hooking up in a car in a church parking lot uh (laughs) before my curfew (laughs) certainly i can certainly tell you about that dating scene but yeah i can't i can't say i really know yeah Um, suburban vibes very suburban um but it's like a big it's like a, a small big city kind of a thing mm-hmm. you know we had an arena where like big musical acts would come we had okay. two malls you know it's not like it's not a teeny little it's not in the middle of nowhere by any means right, um, right. and there's also there was also like maybe three gay bars um oh. so you know there were it was kind of nice 
um, I started exploring queerness in high school. And so I, I could even go to um, Discussions, the coffee shop that used to be there. That was It was like Discussions. a gay coffee shop. And it was not a great name. Discuss- Discussions. Sam and, I, Sam and I always love to talk about like whispers or like, I don't know, just like fun like... <laughs> These names, there was a place, called, oh, there's still, I think it's still there, it's called Rumors, it's in Grand Rapids, it's great, and there was one called Diversions. Oh my god, all of these plurals, discussions, <laughs> rumors, diversions. I genuinely, I was in my head thinking of like the next, the third, the, 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 the joke part, and I'm like, these, the reality Grand of this. knows the rule of threes. <laughs> <laughs> the reality of this was so much funnier. Than uh, <laughs> diversions. Diversions. I can't, I can't. Yeah, I don't think diversions is there anymore but um yeah there, there were those places which I didn't get to go to you know I did <clears throat> I met another Latino kid there wasn't many in the community I grew up in but I met one that was uh I think two years older than me so when I by the time I left I think I was 17 so like the last like year I was there I had like an 18 year old ID mm-hmm. but <laughs> I was too afraid to use it I didn't have the balls of of Andy and uh Subway it was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get busted oh I was at an advanced age when mm-hmm. I tried that trust me right right <laughs> at 17 you know the worst thing I did was steal a ski ball from Bolarama oh my that god was, you talk about that all the time because it's one- all I've I know it's your one brush with danger. And that's why you were going to see that. It's the only mischief I really participated in. I grew up super Catholic. Um, I was going to ask you when you said church parking lot, like talk to me about church. Okay, super Catholic. Yeah, I grew up very Catholic. Um, I I believe it was the oldest boy-girl Catholic school in America that I went to. Oh, Uh, My grandfather went to it. Um, My my mom and her siblings went to it. It was a very old Catholic school, and I went to I went to Catholic school the whole time that I lived there. Um, so uh, why did why was I bringing up Catholicism? I don't know. It was diversions, was a- discussions, rumors, <laughs> Catholicism, yeah, quiet, so arguments. That- <laughs> quiet arguments, <laughs> quiet, heated arguments. I like heated arguments. Oh, it breaks the be quiet. It breaks how mild <laughs> everything is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a part of my story. But I actually moved when I was right before my senior year of high school. Uh, I moved by myself to LA. And Whoa! Yeah, I had my parents like co-sign, and they let me go. And I wait, wait okay, wait, you got emancipated? Um, I didn't get emancipated because it was just a few months before I turned eighteen. Um, it was like this. Wait, no, that's not true. Well, it was like the summer before my senior year of high school. So that's when I moved out, and I moved here. Did you to finish Hollywood. high school? Yeah, I did a homeschool, like, oh, independent wow. study kind of a thing for my senior year. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, you know, I had, like, agents and stuff. And I was, like, doing <laughs> auditions. And I did some commercials. And Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, wait a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> as she sips, as she sips her giant smoothie. Let me have a smoothie A very chug. well-placed sip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, okay, so this wasn't you, like, running away from Grand Rapids. You were already working? Tell us everything about you as a child star. I know. Isn't that weird? Um, (laughs) Well, I did a lot of theater. And then my sister lived in Dallas. 
Texas and I was going to visit her and she called and she was like, hey, I heard this thing on the radio. Like, I know that you're like an actor. There's like this thing where it's one of those things where it's like, come on down to the Marriott. We've got, (laughs) you know, from Hannah Montana, the casting directors and Nickelodeon and like all this. Like, I don't know, these things that you hear on the radio. We're like, that's a scam. How old were you? Um, 16, 17, Uh something like that. By the way, that's the same voice as like nitro burning funny cars Sunday Sunday Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Bigfoot Truckosaurus <laughs> exactly yeah it was um it was very that energy uh, we've got but, the all that producers <laughs> the well, writer maybe, of iCarly <laughs> yeah I guess it was no it, the voice was probably more like uh, hey does your kid have talent like you know, it was very like come on da- I guess you're right I was kind of giving you Sunday Sunday Sunday, Sunday. Um, <laughs> kids' seats just five bucks. Um, <laughs> kids' seats just five bucks. No, this was so. It's a long story. It's boring. Long story short, I like did this competition thing that was in you LA. You went to the Marriott. You went to the Marriott. <laughs> to the Mar- it was not like in a hotel room or anything. It was like Thank in God. a like a lobby, and uh-huh. then. Um, I, it was like this thing that ended up being this competition thing, and, <gasps> and I ended up doing pretty well in it. And I got American it. Idol? No, no, no. It was just like a thing that was like to get agents and casting okay. directors. And it really, I think it really was a scam, but it didn't really work that way for me. Like, it actually ended up being pretty legit for me. And I got like agents and stuff, and then I moved to LA and I tried to do high school, and, and well, I did, I finished, but I, it was. It was fucking, it was so hard to be 17 in LA, no parental supervision, super oppressed, like uh, from Catholicism, like, you know, like dealing with my uh, queerness and, you know, later I realized like transness and gender identity and all this and having to, um, to deal with all of that. And then I, another long story short, like really got into drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff. And I was a wild child as a kid, but I've been sober for um, almost seven years now. Oh, wow. Yes, bitch. Yes. yes. Thank Keep you. coming back. Um, <laughs> now, though, okay, so you're 17, you're in LA. Could you give me a sense of where were you living? Who were you North living Hollywood. with? I lived, oh, no, no, no. 12 I years ago? Yes, it was. Oh, God. The building I lived in, was. it was so, the room was teeny tiny. There was a girl from uh, one of those VH1, like, Flavor of Love or something that lived in my building, and I would see her, and that was, like, my first, like, a celebrity. Like, I, <laughs> I, like, I know a celebrity. <laughs> and she, like, lived in the same building as me. Um, and, yeah, it was... Uh, it was rough. I, it you were was by yourself, though? Did you have, like, roommates or anything? No, I was able to, like, get a little time. Okay, so going back even further, I was, I've, I've worked since I was, I started working when I was 10 um, as a birthday party clown. I developed my what? own act. <laughs> Roz, every new thing you say. I've always been like a hustler, like a drag Roz, queen. Like 
I, I developed this clown character when I was 10. I used to call up companies and be like, hey, do you need a clown for your corporate party? And then I would what? make $50 a gig. I learned how to make balloon animals, juggle. What? I learned all this shit when I was like 10. And then I stopped doing that because like kids were mean to me. And well, then also, I you started... were a child. What would happen when you showed up Hold as a child clown? Because <laughs> you're saying all this shit like it's matter of fucking fact. I it know. It's because fact, I, Ross. I've really processed it uh, <laughs> in my adulthood where I'm like, this is insane. But yeah, my parents would like drive me to like <laughs> these gigs. Like I'd be like, mom, I got another gig. Like we have to go to like some real estate companies doing a family picnic for their employees. And I need, you know. <laughs> Ross, hold on. <laughs> Need to go get some balloons. Let let's walk me walk me through Mm -hmm. the idea. I need to know every moment from you deciding. Hey, this is something I want to do. I want to be a corporate clown, (laughs) or like that. It's a business that you could do this in the first place. Yeah, how did it even come to you? Then you said this to your parents, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll drive you (laughs) to the corporate headquarters for." uh, for Kellogg's and <laughs> so you okay, can make I got balloon you. animals. I got you. Okay, so my father was a fireman and he developed his own clown character that he would do for like kids, like uh, oh. like school, like he would like go to oh, schools presentations. and okay. teach them about fire safety and he would do it oh. as a clown. So I first, that seed was planted, but mm-hmm. even when you're a clown, you don't, you want to rebel against your parents. And so I was like, I'm not going to be that kind of clown. Okay. I'm going to be a clown that does like comedy clown. Like I do tricks and stuff, you know? Um, And you know, it's also funny as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized that even at a young age, I was really uncomfortable in my own skin. And so it was a way for me to put on drag. I mean, it really is Mm -hmm. drag. It was developing a character, the wigs, the makeup, developing an act. And it was how I could do that in front of people, even though I was like uncomfortable as this little boy. Mm -hmm. So that's how that started. But then from there... I taught myself how to play guitar and bass guitar and I would play at a church and that was like all weekend long I'd be playing gigs and I and I saved up my money. This is going back to how I was able to survive in a, a studio apartment in North Hollywood. So I had like a little bit of money um, from that as well. And then like, I mean, I was like 17. So my parents would help me a little bit here and there and whatever. But I was always like on the hustle. Yeah. Where did that come from? Like, did you grow up with... Yeah, where'd you get kind of get that hustle in you, especially from such a young age? And then also, we will need to talk about your parents as people who are like, yeah, we got to take Ross to the gig. And then also people who are like, okay, move to L.A. Like, they seem like kind of cool in a weird way or like at least chill about things. But yes, let's talk about where the hustle began. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't know. I grew up in a very sports dominated household and I never really connected I tried really hard but that was not my thing and I was into showbiz like I wanted (laughs) I wanted to be in showbiz like even when I would go to church I was like oh my god the priest is like got a dress on she's got like the full like she's off book like she knows all the lines (laughs) like I was like I really saw it as showbiz yeah and so um yeah, I think that that's sort of where I like got into. I always liked, you know, colorful things and wigs and costumes and like just all of that. That was just my thing. And my parents were pretty supportive of that. I mean, there was a lot of like 
mom, you're married to a clown. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, don't, <laughs> don't have an issue with me doing that. Like, you're the one that married a clown, a literal <laughs> clown. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had a complicated relationship, uh, my parents and I. Uh, but overall, they're really great. And we actually just went whale watching this weekend. They happened to be in town. Oh. And we went, um, I went whale watching for the first time, which was majestic. <laughs> did you see any beautiful whales? We did. We saw a couple of whales. We saw a tail or two um, <laughs> and lots of dolphins. And um, yeah, it was cute. I mean, we're, we're working. You know, we have, we have a, a good relationship, my parents and I, but I've, I've exposed them to a lot of the world that they would never have had to see, you know, mm-hmm. just with me and my existence and the kind of person I am. So I, I have to be understanding of that because they're just, you know, they're not used to getting my pronouns right. They dead name me. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. a lot of that, but it's, it's, it's a lot to hear in a short amount of time when I see them because I never really hear that. But mm. um but they mean well and they're, you know, they're very supportive and they've always, I've just always, I've always had a thing where my parents have like, they've always been in charge, like, especially when I was a kid, they were always in charge, but I was always like, here's what I want to do. And like, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Like, even when I was like mm-hmm. in high school, they would like, they didn't want me to wear my like hot topic clothes. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm make, I'm going to make money so I can buy hot topic clothes. I see. And then you guys can't tell me I can't wear it. So then I have to hide my hot topic clothes. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. <laughs> Hiding huh. your hot topic is very Grand Rapids teen. <laughs> that feels very right to me. That's funny. Naomi, do you think you could have gotten away? Your mom says you can't do X, whatever X is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I'm going to make the money and I'm going to do X. I'm going to pay for X. My parents are like, no, we don't care if you have the money or we give you the money. Right. Whatever X is. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. To an extent, it was that. And and so that's where I still had to like hide. And like in some ways, you know, my parents were trying to keep me away from drinking and doing drugs and stuff, which I figured out how to do anyway. And it ended (laughs) up being a real like... You know, now I'm on the other side of it, so I'm very, I'm actually grateful for the experience of of how, as awful as it was being uh, an addict. But um, you know, they didn't, they didn't want me to have to do that. They didn't want me to go through that and be into all of that stuff. But you know, it's tough. It's really tough when you're you grow up in like a Catholic society and you feel like such an outsider and then you're dealing with like, it's just so crazy how many things I didn't realize I was dealing with until I've gotten older. And actually very recently, a lot of stuff where I've been like, Oh yeah. Like I, you know, I'm like coming into my gender identity and a better understanding of, uh, my identity and my transness. And, and, and I real, I look back and I see, I just think of so many, things as a kid where I'm like oh yeah like I was so uncomfortable I was so uncomfortable Mm. in my own skin I just wanted to escape I wanted to go to anywhere like anywhere else whether it was just in my brain or it was geographically or whatever I just Mm -hmm. wanted to get out yeah 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 if you don't mind can I ask how do you separate that from how do you separate that, like understanding that as being this kind of inkling of being like, oh, I have a different gender identity than the one I was assigned at birth 
from just like oh everything around me sucks and i don't i feel alienated from be from the society in general because i think differently do you know does that make sense i know well i know and that's the thing because i am um I'm a weirdo on on top of anything else, you know, like I'm, I'm also like into just things that are funky, you know, it's like I talk about ghosts and I wear wigs, like that's like my thing, you know, like I'm just like a funky person and it's hard when you're not around other funky people right. to feel like that's an okay thing to do, especially like, I'm sorry, this always comes up anytime I talk on like a podcast, I, I always go here with it, but I'm like... People, we've all almost forgotten that, like, when we grew up, it wasn't that long ago, but that you only saw what you saw on TV or read in a book. Like, you couldn't just go to YouTube and type in, right. ooh, drag queens. Like, I, right. I saw what I saw, and it wasn't a lot. Like, I didn't see a lot of people that were like me. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and transness and you know like that wasn't a thing in the 90s and early 2000s to see constantly on tv or wherever like i just didn't have access to it um so yeah I, and i mean it took me a long time to realize that it was connected to my gender um just because i don't know i i think there's been so many more conversations the past few years about the different ways that uh your gender identity can look, you know, it's mm-hmm. in a less binary way. I think it really was that. I mean, that's all I really was exposed to for a long time was just like you're male or you're female. And, and, uh, I just had a, I, I couldn't figure out what it was with, with me. I, I couldn't figure out where I fit in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then as I have come to an understanding of it, when I look back at my childhood, I'm like, it's kind of weird that I always had just like these, like I hated being in a, a male swimsuit. Like that that was like mm-hmm. a weird thing for me. And I would always like cover my chest. And I'm like, why was I doing that? Like, isn't that kind of an interesting, like why was it, it was always about my chest. I don't know. Um, like little things like that as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, it was always kind of connected to my to my gender. I just didn't know what it, I just didn't know what it was. Um, and I and I was raised with two older sisters, and I always saw us as equals. I never saw us as anything different until I was told that we were different, you know. And so I don't know. It's a, there's a lot of things like that, you know. Especially, I mean, because when I you and I met like through comedy, mm-hmm. you were doing drag, doing stand up, and then the more you know, obviously pandemic, it was all like we're all sitting in the house. But you were talking about kind of stepping away from drag and also you were like, I've started to transition. And I guess what I'm wondering, too, is sort of, you know, your drag identity, like you were doing that for work. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you were out there and then your kind of decision to say, "Okay, I no longer want to perform this or at least not for a while. Right. And I just want to be this. Is that kind of does that make sense? Or was that the thought or was that the. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, like drag certainly led me to um, being being uh, treated by the, a room full of strangers in like a feminine way, which I never really was. I didn't really experience that. So and it became kind of um, something that I chased. I was, I mean, kind of addicted to I was doing drag so much because when I didn't have that treatment from people, I was like a person that's like, no one look at me. Like I got the Mm. hat down low. I don't, I'm very like, I just didn't exist. I like honestly didn't exist if I wasn't wearing a full face of makeup and wearing wigs. And um, so I've had to acknowledge like when, when I didn't have that outlet uh, and the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to, to be in that mindset, I had a lot of time to 
to be like, oh shit, like how do I get that? Like, and I realized how much of a part of that, it's actually a, a need for me to be, to express my femininity. It's not just like a fun thing. I thought it mm-hmm. was just like a fun job or like, I don't know. It's just that it was like, I didn't realize how much of a part of my actual identity it was. Um, and and before I was like, I got I got three dresses to rhinestone and I've got a Beyonce <laughs> number to learn. Like, I don't have time to be thinking about my gender. Like, I'm busy. <laughs> I got brunch tomorrow morning. Uh, so I, I said Beyonce. I've never done a Beyonce I love number. It. But you get I what I mean. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, so I just didn't have time to, like, think about it quite as much. Um Though it's been in my my head the past few years that there's something something more going on, but um, so yeah, I mean now where I'm at with drag, it's more like I still do love playing dress up, and I still love that heightened uh, camp uh, mm-hmm. of it all, you know. And so there's a time and a place for it. It just it became I got to a point where it's the only way I presented myself to the world, and mm-hmm. um, it's just. I don't know. I was just talking about this with some other comedians about like, you know, I was always doing stand up like with stand ups uh, in drag. But I always, you know, it's like I was kind of perceived as a drag queen. And I don't know, maybe this is just my own thing or whatever. But I just kind of felt like there's a certain type of expectation for the the content that I would talk about or the kinds of jokes that I would do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd be talking about like dating or like today I was at a store and I did this. And then it was like, I, I think people were kind of like, did you have a four foot tall wig on when you went on the date the other <laughs> night? Because, you know, it's like I was trying to be like real, mm-hmm. but but everything I was presenting visually was fake. And mm-hmm. so it was like kind of hard to to connect with an audience um, in a real way. So I'm excited to be exploring that more. Uh, and that's why podcasting has been so good for me, because the visual aspect of it is kind of taken out and I can just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, talk. Um, right. Yeah, you can so, talk about airline food if you want. You can. Yes. Talk about- I mean, I, it's a thing that I don't think anyone's talked about yet. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I'm still doing drag. I, I love yeah. drag. I'm viewing it differently than I did before. Um, you and- said when I we saw you at Sam's when you were like, I kind of want to go into my Mark Maron phase. <laughs> like you were like, I just want to sit. I want to sit and talk. (laughs) I just remember that so clearly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I want to do stand-up. I I want to do stand-up more. I'm just, like, stripping down, I guess, is probably what I was saying. Like, you know, just, like, stripping down, getting more raw. Right, unplugged. Wearing turquoise. Yes, this is sponsored by MailChimp, you know, like that. (laughs) Yes, that that vibe. vibe. Playing your guitar. Mm-hmm. Locking the gates. Um, <laughs> so okay. So from but you know because we talk about relations on yes, this show. Absolutely. From those early hookups in the backseat of a. <laughs> hold on, hold on. This is Michigan. So I'm gonna say a Ford Fiesta. Wow, <laughs> cute, 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 cute. I really don't know much about cars. I do like Ford Taurus. I would say though. Ford Taurus. Thank you. <laughs> what uh, was it, Ross? To um, now, a, a <laughs> let's Pontiac let's... Grand Am. Is that what it was okay, called? Okay, okay. That's like also that? very Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just decide things that, are Grand Rapids. Is that one of those ones where you can take the thing parts off the top? 
So the top doesn't like fall down, but you take these little things. Are they called T tops? I think. What's happening? So <laughs> I'm not the one that knows about like car parts and stuff. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, but you're from Michigan. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, but like from those early hookups, was that mm-hmm. or singular? Was that a hookup? Um, a hookup. Right. From the discussions, from the rumors, from uh-huh. the diversions, to from the hushed anecdotes, <laughs> to being, you know, living on your own in the big city, going on obviously your addiction bottom sobriety journey. Uh-huh. Where have romantic relationships and even platonic ones, just like close relationships, how have they fit in? Especially because it sounds like you have been on this journey of getting closer to who you are. So how has that affected the depth of your relationships? Well, I mean, I've had three, like, real boyfriends. Um, You know, it's really funny. I actually haven't talked about this anywhere, but why not? Let's just do it here. Yes. Oh, exclusive. Exclusive. Um, Exclusive. Yeah, when I was, like, in high school and when I first moved out here, I was, the word I used was bisexual, and then I started, you know, just dating men. And I, the, the girls that I would date at the time would say to me, like, uh, like, you know, you like men. So, <laughs> you know, it was like that was there was a lot of that energy in 2008. where I was like, <laughs> You like men. So you're gay. Um, there was not as I, I wasn't encountering nuanced conversations on the topic. So I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm just. I guess I just like men, but I don't know. As time goes on, I'm like, maybe I'll, maybe I, I'm, I'm open to exploring all kinds of people at this point <laughs> in my life. Um, so there's your exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> because like, you know, I guess if I really thought about it, like I did date, I did date women like when I was younger, but I just, I never really think of those as like, real relationships because they just didn't last very long and it was you know i've never had like a uh, i've only had like cis male like dating cis males you know when it comes to like longer than six months in my life and i've done that three times well actually no one time was like four months and then i did one that was like two years and then i recently got out of one that was um like a year and a half ish or something like that and how does how do these I mean are these are you the kind of person you burn it down? Do the relationships go up in flames, or are you like we have to have a talk about how this isn't working, or do you just do you ghost like the podcast that you host? Yes. Ah! Um, you know, I've done a lot of work. I have worked with a wonderful therapist, so I feel like I'm in a good place to be able to analyze and look back at my most recent relationship, which was a pandemic. Uh, uh, ending, um, you know, we started pre-pandemic and ended, um, gosh, March. We ended in March of this year, so pretty mm-hmm. recent. I mean, I mean, five months or so ago. Um, and you know, I just, I hate to put it this way, but like, he kind of left me. <laughs> so um, I. I was not able to like still be friends and I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever will just because I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of, kind of compartmentalized you as 
someone that I was like in love with, not like, like it would just be that weird thing. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to get over the, my feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll reconnect and be friends or something. But as of right now, at this early time, uh, we haven't talked really. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of like, <laughs> like, you know, more, <laughs> you know, like you're here to like either be in love with me and we're living together or it's like, all right, it was now you're just somebody that I used to know. <laughs> are there any uh, patterns? Are there anything that connect these three longer relationships? Like what made them last four months, two years, one and a half years? Well, it's unfair because the first two were very much in my drinking and drugging. Um, so I don't really, I mean, I was just such a mess. I can't even, I'm like such a different person these days. Um, so yeah, not really. There really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the two long, the two ones that I've had there over a year, uh, they wanted to leave me. <laughs> I didn't want them to leave me, but I was just, I don't know. It's, it was so, this pandemic was so fucking hard on me. I was you know, I lost, I lost like all of my, you know, my self-worth was so connected to work and, uh, you know, my gender identity was attached to my work, like so much, so much was attached to my work and I was working five to seven days a week. And then when it was taken away, it was just like a, a decline uh, for my mental health and I was mm-hmm. just not doing well. And, you know, I, I really do... Uh, you know, okay. if a friend of mine was like, hey, this person that I'm dating is sad and sits on the couch eating pasta all day long, uh, it doesn't work. I got to work all day. They're just sitting around doing nothing, super depressed. They won't even clean the house. Like, I I would be like, you got to get out, you know, like, come like, well, Andy, how do you put up with it? (laughs) You've decided to stay. (laughs) I'm eating pasta for breakfast. I'm not cleaning the house. How do you deal? (laughs) Well, I signed a contract. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, I mean, during the pandemic. Sure. I don't know. I mean, like, I, it wasn't a real question. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like, I'm empathetic. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I hear what you're saying, though. I'm really trying to not bash my ex because I really think that he is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. It's just he needed to get out of the environment, and I just wasn't. I just wasn't. I, you know, another thing I should add is that I wasn't helping myself very much. I was Mm -hmm. just kind of like pasta and ben and jerry's are like <laughs> my therapist and i yeah. and i by the time i got into therapy it was like too late you know mm. it was like i i had already done too much damage to our relationship i think just mainly from just being not a good partner like i just wasn't being my best self at all and it, and it's you know cute for like a couple of days but like <laughs> now it's nine months and i've just <laughs> been moping around you know and so I think, and and he was working from home. Like it was, it was really tough. Um, I don't know. Y'all can make up your own judgments of the situation. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more. This is only one person's side of it. But I don't know. It's it's unfortunate that it had to end. But it was the decision that he, you know, thought he needed to make. So look, this is I a hope he's zone. happy. 
yeah, I mean, it is. It's a judgment-free zone. Yeah. You know, if you spent the entire pandemic just asking him where the rigatoni is, you right. know, we would not. No. <laughs> we would not judge you. No, I wouldn't hold it against tough. you. It was tough. I mean, I know I was just kidding with that thing, but it would no, it was really tough. And, you know, however yeah. people coped, like, yeah. I, you know, it was fucking dystopian. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm sober. Like, I, I have to, like, stay on top of my shit. And I find that for me, it's not just like, oh, I'll turn to drugs and alcohol. It's like there's other things that do that for me, you know, nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. Food, shopping, like whatever. Like I'll find something to escape if I'm not taking care of myself. And I just wasn't taking care of myself because it was it was so tough because there's like no future in sight. And and also there was like the I'm in love so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess it just wasn't cute on my part, really. But I don't know. I'm sure there's lots more that I could say, but <laughs> I, I'm trying to paint him in a good picture. And that's OK. Honestly, you know, we want this background. So, you know what I mean? And t- really, just to sum up before we take our break or actually, no, why don't we take a break? Come back and answer your relationship questions with Raj Dressvillez. We'll be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, y'all, wanted to pop in real quick and let you know that if you like what you hear and you want to support the show, there are a couple different ways. Most of our support comes from our wonderful Patreon community. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes of just us mostly spilling the tea Mm -hmm. and occasionally searching for crazy bread in Los Angeles, plus lots of other bonus content. We love our page pals and we couldn't do this without you. And if you want to join, go to patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. We also have merch, which includes Gotta Miss a Bitch and Jubu t-shirts, yeah. which you can find in the link tree in our Twitter or Insta bios. And for absolutely zero dollars, you can rate and review the show on Apple. Five stars, please. It'll only take 10 seconds and it helps us tremendously. Okay, that's it. We love you deeply. Now back to the show. 
with Roz, okay? Top of the hour. We found out Roz was a child clown in corporate America. Okay, Roz was out here with Corey Ham and Corey Feldman in North Hollywood. Roz was out here. But wait, wait, but not when they were like in their peak. We're talking like yeah, later. <laughs> right. The decline. Two thousand eight. You were you were going through it, and then you have found a new you. You are expressing the your true you. The true, true you. you. True you, okay? Expressing that gender identity. We're letting Todd and Karen, that's the name I made up for your parents. Mm -hmm. We are letting Todd and Karen just make some mistakes every now and then. (laughs) And so you can watch a whale. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What species whale? What are we talking about? I'm back. <laughs> yes, there was a blowhole involved. <laughs> well, that was my next question. So we get questions from our listeners through many different means. Gmail, Twitter DM, Instagram DM, of course, our favorite voicemail. This first one, let's see here. All right, this comes to us from Gmail. I'm going to say anonymous. They never let me know whether they want it to be anonymous or not. So I'm just going to go ahead and... Uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, air on the side of caution. Uh, caution. Thank you. Mm, you got it. You got it. Hi, Naomi and Andy. And I'm going to put this in their guest. How do I tell my friend and roommate that she's the toxic one in her relationships? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. Oh, my God. What if this is from my best friend? <laughs> so we're gonna be anonymous uh, to err on the side no because that um, would be sam pancake and he never he wants everyone to hear his name <laughs> <laughs> she dates around too much she wants a relationship but none of the guys stick she's super sensitive and if something doesn't go her way in her relationship she will go ape shit blame the guy and complain nonstop to all the people around her she complains so much that eventually the guy gets sick of her and always ends things, and I can see it crystal clear. Then she finds a new guy, and the cycle begins again. If I love her, how do I tell her? How do I? If I love her, how do I not tell her? Right. If I love her, how do I not tell her? And to be perfectly honest, I'm tired of hearing her complain. <laughs> that might be the real question. Right. Uh, this article says the things I want to say to her, but I don't know how to say it to her, you know. Uh, I'm just going to read... <laughs> Uh, the URL, which, uh, or the end of it, which says ego in romantic love. I love when someone sends us a URL. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Uh, you got the URL. <laughs> I don't know how to share it with her without being mean or rude. <laughs> <laughs> Your help will go a long way. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Thanks. Anonymous. Well, Roz, <laughs> I've, this is almost sounds like this kind of, uh, debate that I've had many times with people where it's like, is it rude or like the best, nicest, coolest friend thing ever to tell a friend, like to say, oh, you have a booger in your nose. And mm. I feel like there's two different kinds of people that want to hear that and don't want to hear. It. I personally like to hear that. I, I find yes. that as like a sign of somebody really caring and looking out for me and like mm-hmm. being not being afraid to tell the truth to me. But then I think that there's a lot of people that are like, how dare you? I can't believe you would say that. So like that gets really difficult. And it sounds mm-hmm. like maybe this friend is the kind that doesn't want to know that there's a booger in their nose. And with those kinds of friends, 
That, I don't know. This sounds tough. I don't know how you... Well, here, here. Let me ask you this. When you were, say, let's say pre-sobriety, perhaps. Oh, okay. When you were in... Post-clown pre-sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> what a journey. The when sweet you were, spot. Uh-huh. To, to paraphrase what you said, uh, Messy, I think. Yes. Uh, you, you said. Uh, like, was there anyone that, that told you that? Like, did you have someone in your life that could say, like, uh, you know, what's going on? Oh, yes, there was certainly more than one intervention in my life, but it's hard to, I'm sure there's like a way to see the, to see the forest through the trees. I don't know whatever I'm trying to say, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes when you're in the thick of, especially when you're emotional, um, you know, mm-hmm. if your friend is having this, this, either this emotional venting session, it's really, that's when it's really, I think t- it, it's not unlike if someone's like drunk to be like hey i think you have a problem like it's like okay you have to wait for the right moment you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean and yeah people would call me out but like i was somebody that i knew i had problems um i wasn't in denial of it uh but yeah it's like god that is so tough this kind of a thing is really tough um i think you shouldn't my impulse actually is not to tell her Mm -hmm. but it is to change the dynamics of your friendship so that she's not complaining to you. Do you see what I mean? Because part of me is like, honey, if she toxic, she toxic. You can't, like, it's bothering you. And what you're bothered by is her complaining. Mm -hmm. Kind of at the core. Like, of course you don't want your friend to be upset, but also it's like, okay, you keep going in circles. I can't hear about this no more. And it's like, I think that's what you want to say to her because I think you coming in and, like, diagnosing her Mm-hmm. will not be met well. No, no. No matter what state she's in. Oh, no. Especially right. if, if this person doesn't take any responsibility for themselves. Exactly. If they're constantly blaming the guy. I don't know if that if they then, you know, blame the coworker, blame the friend. You know, if they're into blaming everyone else in general. It's like, yeah, you coming up in there and being like, you know why this isn't working? It's because you're a little toxic in your relationships. Ooh. Nope, 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 Well, nope. also, my post-pandemic, old and tired, don't have time for some bullshit uh, mentality these days is like, is it worth it? I mean, you start by saying that your friend is toxic. Like, is your friend worth, like, like <laughs> how close are you, I guess, is what I'm wondering. <laughs> like, because if, if this is like someone you just kind of know and all it is is they complain all day, like... It worth it i don't know i know this sounds <laughs> fucked up but like I, these are people i don't know don't take advice from me <laughs> uh, well what about this you go talk to them and you're like do you know what the problem is in your relationships and then you hold up a hand mirror oh that's some good old-fashioned shade that's the kind of shit you see in diversions <laughs> diversions <laughs> Let's have some discussions about your diversions. About the rumors. Because I've been hearing rumors. Uh, <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah. I uh, think so. I think, okay. So, yeah. Let's see if we can distill this into something um, actionable. Yes. We love action items. <sighs> All right. If this is a close friend, don't do anything. Right? Don't oh. not do anything. Don't tell her she is the problem right. in her relationships unless she's like why is this happening you know unless it's that type of thing if there's an opening exactly. so if there's an, if there's opening, an opening you could say it you could say but it. do not bring it but up like you know sometimes <laughs> it's like okay so what is the common denominator with all of these people that you complain about is it you 
If only you could see Roz's face right now, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Such a stank face. I like, don't, is I'm he... sorry. I'm, I, these, I'm just analyzing this based on very limited knowledge, and I don't know these people. Please don't take my advice, and please don't send me mad messages. I'm just trying to figure this out. Yeah, no, but I mean, there is that impulse. It's like, uh, that's why I said, but if it's, look, uh, I, I think it's very difficult to tell someone about themselves. Absolutely. Um, and only if it's like really, I think you should only do this if it is something where they're like actually hurting themselves or someone else. That's maybe where you step in. Right. But I do think you can say to somebody, moratorium and we've had people to call about this before too like different things where it's like my friend's always doing this or talking about this and it's like you can say moratorium on talking about the guys mm. or we're gonna have dinner i don't want to hear it or she brings it up and you're like yeah girl can we say i want you to take 24 hours andy's making hand motions what? my hand motions are like this is great sorry oh, these, are, so these are i'm pointing at naomi these are oh, celebratory so that finger too points. can be met with like excuse me like i thought you were my it, friend well absolutely but it's like but at the same time that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be said she gonna lash out at whatever right so the thing to me is like you have to take care of yourself and then taking care of yourself you have to say like she you know something and again it doesn't have to be like i don't want to hear about this you know it doesn't have to be mean but it can be very like um, I'm gonna set the timer for four minutes. Tell me a story, <laughs> and then we die. Yeah. you know you can be or, cute about it, funny about uh-huh. it, something. You can draw but boundaries. Short in it. I know that like I've had friends where like I've had to say like we sit there and we like talk about like UCB, and I'm just like I can't talk about this thing that's now defunct pretty much anyway. <laughs> but that like I I did invest some of my time in it, and and in the scene, the comedy scene in New York. But like, I can't talk about you know, r- you know, rumors about X, Y, or Z anymore. I can't right, talk right. about yeah. you know what this one person did to you in an imp- seven not, years ago. Seven years ago. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> they didn't let you audition for Harold Knight. You know, ten years ago. I can't talk about that anymore. It's okay to draw boundaries. Yeah. And if they're a good friend of yours, they should respect that. Right. 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 If they if and if you're not close. Stop being friends with them. If like if you have a friend who like you're not actually close with and all they ever do is complain, yeah. that doesn't seem like someone that is fun to hang out with. Right. Right. Now, okay. Now I feel like I need to send you guys a voice note and cuz now I'm wondering am I toxic because <laughs> I I always will tell like and I have of so many I have a I'm very fortunate to have wonderful a lot of really close friends and I do be I will say Listen, we have talked about this too much. Like, this is too much. Yeah, we can't. There's a good about, boundary. Or I'll be like, "You are the problem." <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe I will. I won't be that blunt, but I will be like, "Now wait a minute. Let's think about it here first. Like, like I just admitted that I was the problem and the reason that my relationship ended. <laughs> I overanalyze things, but I also, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always down to offer. And to look, to take myself out for a moment. I know I don't want to say like devil's advocate or whatever, but like I, you know, I, I like to try to see both sides or do my best to understand both sides of situations. Um, I don't know. That's just where no, I No, I mean, that's right. But you can only do it so many times. And it's like, just be like, hey, girl, you know, or I mean, also there are times when somebody's coming with they, with they same old, same old. And you can say too, it's like, honey, I don't have a bandwidth today. 
You know what I mean? Like, what about what yeah. she's going through as a friend and a person? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's sometimes where you're like, hey, somebody can call you. And, like, I tend to be, and me, whenever I do, I mean, I very rarely let myself be this vulnerable. But when I reach out to people, I will say, hey, I'm feeling upset. Are you able to talk? Meaning, let them know what the situation is. Because, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. nothing like you pick up the phone and, like, somebody, you just hear tears. And it's like, what's happening? I'm at a Costco. You know what I mean? Like, they have to kind of be able to, people have to decide if they're available to help you in that instance. Right. I mean, because friends are not therapists. Right. Right. As much as I'd like them to be. <laughs> Unless uh. your friends are all therapists, but like they're off. They're <laughs> but they're off still the not clock. your therapist. Yes, exactly. All right. All right. Let's see if we can codify I this. we did it. If they're a close friend <laughs> and there's an opening and you feel like it's, it's right, you can say something. Otherwise, draw a boundary. If they're not a close friend, drop the drip. Drop the drip. Drop the drip. That was very good, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying, I love that. Trying for some Oprah Drop moments. the drips. I know you like an Oprah moment. <laughs> um, all right. Why don't we do a voicemail then? Do you have time for one more? Yes. Of course. Yay. Anything for you guys. I love when you guys send us the voice notes. Please keep them coming. Our number is 323-524-7839. There is a three-minute limit, just to know that, going in. But the voice notes let us know where you're at emotionally. Okay? It really allows us to kind of say, okay, that emphasis tells me that. So, as always, 323-524-7839. I'm done plugging the voicemails. Let's listen to one. Here we go. Hey, Andy and Amy. I am a huge fan. Um, and I am calling with a question about supporting a friend through a mental health challenge. I, um, had been trying to connect with one friend and calling her and she would text me back that she had just woken up and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I actually thought that she was just being flaky and that it was turning into a one-sided friendship. And she visited me this weekend and it became very apparent that she is really struggling with um, depression and I am very privileged in that I, I don't know what that feels like. I um, imagine it's extremely painful though and I feel very guilty for um, not being empathetic in the first place. So I'm wondering um, if it is, you know, pushy of me to keep calling and expecting her to like expend this energy on me if I should you know loosen up a little bit if I should give her some space if I should continue to keep reaching out and you know just kind of being annoying so anyway just want to get your thoughts and let you know how much I love you both okay bye Hmm. interesting This is, first of all, you're a very nice person. Totally. I really am into you just wanting to know how to help, mm-hmm. if you can help. Also, my God, you've never struggled with depression? Give me your diet. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> you know, it's like that vibe. I feel I very, know. I'll have what she's having about that. Oh, when Harry met Lexapro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, now that's a romance for the ages. <laughs> that's a romance for the ages. Um. Yeah, I mean, Roz, um, as someone in recovery, you know, I assume you have a network of other people who have gone through it, are going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, like, how do you kind of handle somebody or people in your life, you know, when they're like in a low moment, you know, and I don't mean 
like using, but you know, just like a down. Plus, you know, addicts, the feelings are always at a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, it's so, I, I, I think it's always good to check in um, and to try to get a good grasp on what this person needs. Um, do they need to be left alone? Do they need to be comforted? You know, um, mm-hmm. there's also obviously very different levels of depression. Um, there's, you know, uh, I, I don't feel comfortable like offering advice, uh, of dealing with that. I am not a professional, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's probably good to check in and <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah uh, like i have he, this is the thing you check in without expecting a response to show them that you care about them right. right like i had a friend who was struggling with some stuff over the pandemic uh-huh. and i would constantly check in, be like hey no pressure to write back i just want to see how you were doing and i that's generally if i know someone like a friend of mine his father just passed away and i wrote you know i i texted him just to say hello and and tell him we are thinking about him and love him and say no pressure right back just like let this person know that you care about them and that they don't have to expend the energy the other way Mm. i think that's right i also think you know it's nice to if you're doing something safe covid safe outdoors with a group it would be nice to invite that person. Like if they would mix and mingle with the group. Cause I think, and they may say no, they will probably say no. But I think what's very important cause you know, depression, at least as I experience it, is it entropy or is it um, the opposite? Entropy is a measure of chaos. So like that. Well, like not, it's about like not being able to, you just kind of get in this like morass and you can't really get out of it and you can't really like move through it. So every little thing feels insurmountable. Hence, at least in my experience, taking a nap in the middle of the day. Right. Increase You have increasing entropy. Increasing entropy. Thank you. Thank you, science. <laughs> and so, you know, but what's important for me is that like in those, there are times, even when I'm depressed, when I go, okay, get up, get up, get up. And then I'll be like, well, I have nowhere to go. Or I have no one to see. And so then it's like, well, as you were. Um, or just to feel like, because it's important to know, oh, there are people out there. There is something I could do when I'm ready. When I'm out of this, I will d- call this person who has been checking in on me and be like, let's go to lunch. And I think if you fall off, then that's the end of it. Um, but I do agree. It's like, as you said, it's like you can't necessarily expect anything back. But I don't know. In the age of text, someone can always like fucking double tap the like or say thanks. But I'm just feeling low. I also wonder this, too. You as a person, you're saying you've never really experienced that. Are you like an upbeat chipper person naturally? Because when you, I love me when I'm feeling depressed... I'm like, kill all that happy noise. Yeah. Okay? I was like, all this like high energy. It's like, so, you know... If also you want to make yourself available, you know, if if this is how you feel, make it clear to this person too. It's like, hey, I can just listen. You don't have to like perform for me or pre- you know what I mean. Like you can tell me whatever you want to tell me because I think that's crucial too. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of times I kind of assess people and I'm like, oh no, they can't handle the real. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then like I don't tell them, and then we never really have a meaningful friendship. 
Yeah, but if or if you're too chipper and you want to like go down to your friend's level, watch a sad movie. <laughs> watch the last episode of Breaking Bad. Oh, watch good uh, God. Oh my God. Sick. <laughs> and then maybe you can, you know, get get down there. <laughs> this is so dumb. I can't even pretend to support it. Oh, that's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, sweetheart. You made some vows, uh... Naomi. <laughs> I did not. Um, yeah, I can't. I don't. I am not good at advice. You guys are amazing at this. <laughs> well, I mean, have you ever been in either of these positions? And it doesn't have to be depression, but just like in in a space where. It would have been nice if someone reached out to you or where you reached out to someone. During the pastademic, <laughs> did you reach out to people? Did people reach out to you? You know, it, yeah, when you're in yeah. this moment on the couch where you're like, I should fucking call somebody or, you know what I mean? Like, how did you do? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I had a lot of friends in the same position as me. Uh, you know, weirdly, I didn't. I don't have any of those friends that are like, this is my time to get ripped. Like, I didn't have <laughs> those people. Like, we all yes. kind of un- were on similar pages to varying degrees. But I also didn't really share with even my, fr- well, maybe some of my close, close friends. But I-, I wasn't as honest about, like, how depressed I was. Also, it was like there was no place to be for so long that it wasn't like, hey, we're trying to all go to the party and you're not yeah, coming, yeah, yeah. you know? So it was like, uh, you know, under the radar depression for like, to an extent with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do I do like to check in on friends. You know, it's like in the world that we live in, I think it's, it's easy to have a lot of like acquaintances. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes... There's people that I'm like acquaintances with that don't have a lot of like close friends. And so I kind of, you know, check in with them. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it's always good to check in on people and just say, hey, thinking about you, how you doing? You know, I I like I like to do that. Um, And I like it when people do that to me. Um, I don't know. No, that's right. I hear you. We think. Yeah, I would just say, like, let her know you're available. Don't necessarily expect a response. And, you know, just make sure she knows if this is what you're offering, that you are someone she can talk to or someone who she can be around when she doesn't feel so great, if that is what you feel. I think that's great. Yeah, well, we I, did, but I, I, think. Do, I do think it's, <laughs> I think it's um, like if you've never experienced depression, I do think that a lot of people's uh, instinct is to match that with that happiness and that yes. like, yeah, here's what you need. It's like, let's, yeah, you know, like get up, let's yeah. go. Someone like opens the curtains in their bedroom and is like, come <laughs> on, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, And I think that maybe like that, that's probably probably the best takeaway. I think I got from what you guys were saying um, about this was, is just sort of, I, I hope that this person that called gets an understanding of like, maybe that, that, uh, Maybe this person, maybe they won't reply well or respond well to that uh, exciting energy, Um, (laughs) but maybe they will. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. I think it's like, I just, to me though, because it's about baby steps, because if I'm, it's hard, if it's hard for me to like be out, look at people, talk to people, if I know that you're not someone I have to perform for, I'm like, okay, then maybe I can get up and go outside and sit outside and talk to this person. Because it's one less thing to have to do. And it's like, okay, now I'm out. Now I've had a conversation with a person. Maybe I'll walk. Maybe I'll do errands. Maybe I'll shower. Right? Like it It all breaks the seal, kind of. Yeah. Yes. 
Totally. You gotta break that emotional seal. Nah. Yeah, sorry. I was in my head and I was thinking about like when you were like, I I, I think the thing about depression is it's really, it, it, it takes many different forms, but I think there's some underlying thing about like not having the energy. Not mm-hmm. having the energy yeah. to like do anything, even like feel really right. It's a, it's just like a bereftness. Mm-hmm. I think uh, understand. You know, read the Noonday Sun. Is that the name of that book? The Noonday Demon. The Noonday Demon. <laughs> it's very thick. Don't read it. It's so big, <laughs> but it's about depression. But I don't know. Like I I go through times too where I'm like I don't want anyone to look at me. Like literally, physically, the idea of someone looking at my form is so upsetting to me. Mm-hmm when I'm in that and it's like you know which means that if someone reaches out we're doing text only but I do appreciate it it's like I don't know that's, I don't know how to describe it it's just like a lot of time I feel like hijacked by are you emotions. guys phone call people no I don't <laughs> I like to talk on the phone but I don't like really call I have like one friend I talk to on the phone but other people it's more like we'll text and if we get to phone great Oh my god, I am a phone call queen. <laughs> I love I talk on the phone for a couple hours a day. Uh, oh, I love it. I love my that. favorite. But I also think that it is like a part of that too. Like going being super depressed, it was so good to have phone calls with friends because I didn't have to worry about the way I looked. I didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about, you know, the performance. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, 30 years ago, you would have been a phone call princess because that's a brand of old phone that was big. Like Phone call princess? Well, no, princess was the brand of the phone. There was oh, a like, princess telephone. Yeah, like dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, How do you know these things? Like these things come out of your brain. I'm like, when did princess telephones from the 60s come to your mind? Um, great question. Well, I think, I think it's that's a good time, if any, to end the episode. Because Roz is just, Roz has been holding that microphone for 90 minutes. Um, you guys, I hope you had a wonderful time with us. Because we did with you, Roz. Thank you yeah, Roz, for being a friend. Thanks for having me. And we will see you guys next week. Bye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.